This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Hi, this is Basil Hoffman, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, welcoming you back to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that's happy to play more of a conversation that originally aired in July 2011 with Emmy Award-winning writer-producer William Link. William Link, co-creator of Columbo, Murder, She Wrote, Ellery Queen, Mannix, The Execution of Private Slovak, That Certain Summer, The Gun, and many other made-for-TV movies and TV series. William Link passed away this past Sunday, December 27th at the age of 87. Calendar year 2021 marks the 50th anniversary of the premiere of the Columbo series on NBC. Early in the program, we played the segment of the interview in which Bill laid out the origins of the Lieutenant Columbo character and the events that eventually led to casting Peter Falk as Columbo as we pick up the conversation. This has been said many times before, but it's, it is always worth repeating. On, on paper, Columbo is, is, is not a show that should have worked because everything you're supposed to do on television... On purpose. You did the opposite of, right, on yep. purpose. Yeah. We showed you the murderer planning the murder before he or she pulls it off. We show you murdering the victim, always off camera because Dick and I hated violence. You hear a gunshot, but you don't see the person actually, you know murdered you know falling on the floor and well you came, you came close in the in the movie version of prescription murder because you didn't he does he, he doesn't strangle Anita Foch but you but you but you see the intensity yeah so you can but you don't see the actual strangling Dick and I detested violence on television we never went near it also we knew the damage that alcohol did in this country, yeah. in fact, all over the world. We never had our characters drinking. They drank coffee, but they didn't drink the hard stuff. I don't even think we had a glass of wine in it. We were against those two things, hmm. and ironically, smoking uh, killed Dick Levinson years later. He was a three-pack-a-day smoker. I tried everything and I could to get him off those cigarettes, but he was terribly hooked. And, uh, you know, his death was was the hardest thing I ever suffered, except the death of my parents. We've been together 43 years. Wow. We saw each other more than we saw our wives. I mean, we're, we worked on Sunday. We were incredibly hard workers. We were tough on ourselves. They're also tough on our actors, too, you know, the people that peopled uh, our dramas. But he was a great guy, a brilliant guy, and I miss him to this day. I still dream about him. There's the image in the movies of two writers in a tight room, one working over the shoulder. That's a stereotype. Uh, and, and again, every writer has his or her own, her own process, and I would imagine every team has their own idiosyncratic way of working. How did you and Dick work? Did, did you work 
together at the same time, or would you work on one part of the story and he'd work on another part of the story? And you, like, like for example, when you when you first wrote Prescription Murder, as an example of how you worked together. First thing was the concept. Once we had that, that was that was the really hard part. Then we would plot it out. That was the second hardest part, where you construct the story. I find now that's very hard for the young writers and the new writers to do. They're not good in construction. They're good in atmospherics. They're good with character. They're good with humor. Um, but they're not good constructing. And it's uh, very hard to learn. In fact, I think it is probably genetic given. I'm not so sure you can learn how to be a terrific constructionist. But Dick had it, and I had it in spades, and we did very, very well with it. Um, but, you know, it was hard, you know, to work out a story really well. But once we had the concept, we knew we could work out a good story or maybe even a great story. It was there for us to play with, and we did. And it was always Dick at the typewriter and I pacing. And then when I got older and older, then I sat and did the back and forth, the ping pong game with Dick writing, and Dick always sat at the typewriter as usual. It was a Swiss typewriter. We, I, was, I had the same typewriter, but actually I didn't have to use mine because Dick did all the typing. So you're more or less dictating your ideas and he's recording them but then he would be no, at... No, no, no. It's the ping-pong match. Oh. It's all verbal. That We have to decide on the next line. Oh. We wrote novels like that. We wrote fact books like that. Line by line, the same way. We would put nothing down until both of us agreed that was good. We never argued. When we first came out here... Remember, we went under a contract to four-star television. Mm -hmm. Nobody remembers four-star anymore except you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're the master. Right. That's, that's Dick Powell's company that's from correct. which we got Aaron Spelling. Correct. And we knew Aaron there and you know, other people. Uh, uh, the guy did all the violent uh, Western Sam Oh, Peck and Paul. Yeah. And uh, that was a good launching pad mm -hmm. for a lot of people, including us. And that's when we first went into the editing rooms and we saw how movies are put together. We went to the scoring stages. Dick and I had always been motion picture fans since we were 12 years old. Mm -hmm. We loved the music of Miklas Rosha, who was one of the all-time great composers. He did Spellbound, Ben-Hur. Most people now, and even back then, they didn't recognize um, the names of movie composers. The great Max Steiner... Uh, Franz Waxman, mm -hmm. they were terrific composers, and all of them composed melody. If you go to movies now and you listen to the, the background music, no melody. That went out 20 years ago yeah. or more. And it's funny because that's linear too, just like movie construction, just like screenwriting. It's linear, a melody. And they don't have it, and a lot of the new writers don't have the construction skill either. Very funny. You're listening to a conversation with Emmy Award-winning writer-producer William Link that originally aired in July 2011 on TV Confidential. William Link, 
co-creator of Columbo, Murder, She Wrote, Mannix, Ellery Queen, and many other TV series and made-for-TV movies. William Link passed away Sunday, December 27th at the age of 87. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. We're spending some time talking about Columbo and Bill's longtime friend, Peter Falk. You mentioned earlier that you, you and Dick knew Peter from New York. Correct. What was, it, what, what was Peter like as a person? He was Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> he was very endearing, charming, fun, intelligent, all the good attributes, you know, for a human being. He had them all. We, uh, we actually have an audience today, folks, and uh, Marjorie, Bill's wife, was, was chiming in. Bill, uh, Peter was also sexy. And, and I, I can second that because I, I, I have seven sisters, and they, I remember they all, they, they all loved Columbo, uh, and they, they, they all loved they, – they, they, they liked the scene, the, the few times when they would see him in his office and he'd have his without, – without the jacket on. Yes, and, yes. And this is, I have one sister in particular who always had a crush on him in the 70s. <laughs> and, and, and I guess it, it, this speaks to the appeal of the character because, you know, yes, um, he was always disheveled or rumpled, picture adjective, but, you know, all that aside, I mean, maybe it's just the fact that he had that glass eye that he worked in his favor, but he just had that look that hooked people. Well, it was a squint, yeah. you see, and that worked great with the murderers because it was an intensity of his look that, you know flummox some of them or got them uptight and nervous and that really played well for us with these clever murderers i mean everything about him you know sort of put them on edge and threw them off balance mm -hmm. the clothes he was rumpled he didn't seem like a regular police detective the hair uncombed the bushy hair um you know the shoes never shined Actually, Peter wore that raincoat for the whole series. It was his own raincoat that he had gotten in a store on 57th Street in New York when he dashed in from a rain squall. That's where he bought the coat. We had two to three backup coats just in case that coat got ripped or anything, the original coat. That Stunt Peter coats. Wore. Yes. <laughs> That's right. The props took care of all that. And uh, never ripped. And he wore that same raincoat. That was his talisman. In fact, um, the Smithsonian um, wanted the coat. And Peter said, no way, I'm sorry. And then he's been asked, he was asked a million times, you know, in interviews, where is that coat when you're not acting? He says, it's hanging in my upstairs closet. And every night I put out a bowl of milk mm -hmm. for it. He always said that. Hey, you take you, you, you take care of that coat, it'll take care of you. Right. And the second most prevalent question they asked him that had the most frequency was, what is Columbo's first name? And Peter would always say, Lieutenant. Mm -hmm. We leave it at that. Because Dick, Peter, and I had a pact way at the beginning. We would never learn his first name and we would never see Columbo's wife. And you never learned it, and you never saw the wife. And that's what happened. Do you know when he knew this was not I just think another character? when he got probably a lot more money from Universal, he knew he was getting big. 
And I think the, the, the probably hundreds of letters, the fan letters that came into the studio, he'd probably never experienced anything like that in his life as an actor, not playing Columbo. And, uh, you know, at the time, the when Columbo was its hottest, mm -hmm. Dick and I were producing it, uh, he was the highest paid television actor in the world. I believe he was earning $500,000 an episode. And these are $1971. Dollars. That's gigantic. <laughs> That's like 10 times. Wow. That was a great deal of money. I think it rang in his head, hey, I'm a big, I'm a big hit as mm -hmm. this character. In our previous hour, we talked to our mutual friend, Mark Dewidziak, and I said this to Mark, I'll say this to you. There are two words that pop into my head when I think of Peter Falk. One is passionate, and the other is demanding, but demanding in the best sense of the word. Would you agree? Yes, as a person, too. Yeah, I, I, you meant that as a person. As a person and yeah. as an artist. Yeah, absolutely. He was the same as Columbo. His work, he was very passionate about. And he got up in the morning... And I think he was thinking, thinking, thinking about what he was going to do that day before he came to the set, put on that old suit and that raincoat. It's, it's especially fun watching, I forget, I forget whether six or eight that you did in the first year, but you know, they're, they're clearly the best. Seven, I believe. Okay, seven. It's especially fun watching those shows, knowing that even though you had, you, you had to put them together quickly to accommodate his schedule because he was going to do the Neil Simon play Correct. With, um, that summer. In one summer, to get all the scripts from concept to final draft, was a max Senate, Senate summer. I mean, we had no time. It was seven days a week we were working. Mm -hmm. It was murderers. But... Once, once the scripts were done, uh, you would have a longer shooting schedule than you normally would for a 60-minute show because you had longer length. And, Correct. And, and Peter, coming from the stage, took advantage of that. You, know, you, you can tell that this, you know, when, when, he, when he even does something as simple as just one more thing, there's some thought to it to get the, get the rhythm and the timing down. But before the series went on the air that fall, Peter was back doing Prisoner of Second Avenue mm -hmm. for Neil Simon. And we flew back, Dick and I, to New Haven uh, to meet with Peter. Mm -hmm. I think Peter realized what a success he was going to be as Columbo because he did a very good Neil Simon play. Neil is a friend of Marjorie's and mine. Mm -hmm. And not back then, but... Uh, when he would leave the theater, there were tons of people at the stage door, and they were all shouting, Columbo, Columbo. And he had just done a, a terrific Neil Simon play. I think then it must have occurred to him. Yeah. And it hadn't been on the air yet. I got something in this character. Yeah. We were talking before about the score that uh, Gil Millet did uh, in the first season. One of my right. favorite scenes of the entire Columbo show right. is the tag at the end of Death Lends a Hand with Robert Correct. Culp, where um, Ray Milan asks, 
how did you, how, how did you uh, for, for for the for the few people who have not seen the show and there and there are people who there are people who are discovering Columbus for the first time so I don't want to give I don't want right, right, to give away right. away but he he tells Ray Milan this great story of how he became a cop and it's to me it's one of the funniest lines of the show but really true to the character Dick Levins had a funny line about Ray Milan how the difference how you could tell he was in a big feature movie you know like a Hitchcock mm-hmm. Or a television movie. In the features he wore his toupee. <laughs> <laughs> Is that wonderful? That's my late partner, Dick. <laughs> um. <laughs> of course, of course um, I'm, just, I'm just thinking, I mean, you, know, you, you got... You know, you 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 got you got Ray Milan. You had you had Ann, you had Ann Baxter. You had, you had you had all these big stars from film and stage doing Columbo. They all it, wanted to do it. Yeah. Once it was a hit, you had to beat them off of the stick. I mean, you knew as Howard Rosenberg, who was then a terrific uh, film or a television critic for the L.A. Times, mm-hmm. he said every new Columbo was an American event. People stayed home, just like they did on the old Milton Berle show right. decades earlier. They had to watch Columbo. They were fascinated with the character and those shows. And I think he was right. We're talking off mic about some of the music uh, for your shows, and you you said you had a story about the music for Murder by the Book, which was the first Jack Cassidy show. Correct. Which was which is the first Columbo to air as part of the series, but it's not the first one that you wrote for the series. That's right. It's a very special Columbo in my mind and many uh, Columbo fans, and it was directed by the then 21-year-old Steven Spielberg. And Dick and I knew he was brilliant then. He knew all the camera moves. He knew within the frame how to move characters so he didn't have to cut. I mean, he was incredible. He knew movie lore. I mean, an amazing young man and and the nicest guy he ever met. Uh, And I hear today he's still as charming, um, you know, as ever. The way he treats actors, other people, off camera. He's interested in their children. Uh, Wonderful. You know, but Dick and I knew, you know, we had a, a film master, and uh, but we never knew how big he would get, and more power to him. Uh, I love his movies now, and uh, he's truly remarkable. Did he have a hand in the score? Yes. Um, for, that, for, that, for that particular episode? Yes, I was always on the scoring stage. Dick left the music to me. Mm-hmm. He loved Broadway musicals, uh, Dick. And I was more more into uh, motion picture music and, and television music. And we had a good friend, Gil Malay. He was my best friend next to Dick Levinson, mm-hmm. who was a genius, uh, only genius I've ever known, not only in, in, in music. Uh, he collected microscopes from the 17th century, a remarkable uh, human being, and, and he had no education, really. And uh, and he was an excellent uh, composer. And uh, he did a few of our first Columbos, also with Billy Goldenberg. Mm -hmm. 
but Billy did Murder by the Book. And on the scoring stage, Spielberg got this terrific idea of running a typewriter clacking fast through a computer and fusing that with Billy's theme mm-hmm. for the all-over show. And it really worked. Uh, but Spielberg would get those kind of ideas, you know, just out of the blue. We're, we're talking before about uh, how, to the extent you could, you never saw... You never saw any of the murder depicted on screen. Correct. It was always suggested. There's a great scene about halfway through where uh, I forget the actress who played her, but it's, uh, it's Mrs. Dasanka, the one who runs the. Uh, Lasanka. Lasanka. She right. runs the convenience store. And Her name was Coleman, Barbara Coleman. A few years later, she was murdered in Santa Monica. Colby. Oh, Barbara Colby, Colby yeah. Colby. I did not know she was murdered. Yeah. In a parking lot at night, and the police never solved the murder. Huh. Yeah, she was a wonderful actress. She was so perfect in that show. She was very perfect in that show, and, and again, credit to Spielberg. I mean, there's a, the, the way he um, shot the scene where Jack Cassidy does away with her character is just very stylish. Oh, well, that was... I don't want to give that away either. That was, <laughs> was Stephen through and through. He was a built-in stylist. Yeah. Still is. And it's very difficult because I, I, I love talking about Columbo. It's, it's one of the few shows where sometimes the fan in me gets, gets carried away. Because I, because I, uh, as I, can, I, mean, I You were subsumed <laughs> in your love of this stuff, aren't we all? We're talking to Emmy Award winning writer producer William Link, co-creator of Columbo, along with his longtime uh, collaborator Richard Levinson, and we're spending some time talking about Columbo and the legacy of Peter Falk. We'll continue our conversation after this quick timeout. You're listening to TV Confidential. You can now purchase T-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential, cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415 415- 886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.